Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Elijah and Elisha as we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Elijah said to Elisha, You stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me unto Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. So they went to Bethel. Now they are actually moving from Gilgal to Bethel. They are going in a easterly direction, and they are moving down towards Jericho. Now when they came to Bethel, certain sons of the prophets came out and they said to Elisha, do you know that your master is going to be taken away from you today? And he said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. So Elijah said to Elisha, you wait here, for I'm going on down to Jericho. Now from Bethel to Jericho, there's a winding valley And it's a distance about 18 miles on down to Jericho, downhill all the way from Bethel. And as they came to Jericho, certain sons of the prophets came out and said to Elisha, do you know that your master is going to be taken away from you today? And he said, I know it, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, you wait here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan River. And he said, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to leave you. So the two went on. And 50 men of the prophets went, and they stood to view from a distance. And they stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together, and he smote the waters, and they were divided, so that the two went over on dry ground. Now, this (laughs) must have been quite an experience, as these 50 guys were watching, to see this prophet take his mantle and hit the water and watch them divide so the two guys walked across on dry ground. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, It shall be so unto you, but if not, it shall not be so. So it came to pass, as they still went on, and they were talking, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and the horses of fire, and they parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him as he was going up, and he went back to the bank of the Jordan River, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters, and he said, Where is Jehovah, God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were there by Jericho watching, saw what happened, that they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. 
and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. So here we see sort of the passing of a mantle, an anointing from one man to another. As Elijah has finished his ministry and is caught away by the Spirit into heaven, and Elisha asking for that double portion that he might receive that sort of inheritance, the anointing of God's Spirit upon his life, that he might continue the ministry of Elijah. And as he came back, taking the mantle of Elijah, striking the water, and the question, where is Jehovah, God of Elijah? I often wonder today concerning miracles and where is the God of Elijah? I am not at all satisfied with the hyped-up programs of so many evangelists and the atmosphere in which the miracles supposedly take place. I really do not believe that God needs to work in a circus tent environment, but I believe that he can work in very easy, natural ways. And that when you have this super emotional environment, that many times God doesn't always receive the full credit and the glory for that which is accomplished. But many times the instruments so manipulate and sometimes are just so weird that they draw your attention and it's hard to really think of, of, of the Lord. There are, there are men who deliberately seek to draw attention to themselves. I have wondered why it is that we do not see more dramatic kind of miracles, which I know that God is able to perform. So in the idea, where is the God of Elijah? He, he's saying a God that works visible, obvious miracles, where there can be no questioning, no doubt. I cannot agree that God relegated miracles only to the apostolic period and before. That there came this point of history after the last apostle where God said, okay, that's the last miracle, and from now on we'll let them educate themselves and, and uh, let the church expand itself through the world, through the genius of man. I cannot believe that the lack of miracles actually indicates any lack in God's power or even God's willingness to perform miracles. And yet, the last time I asked the Lord if I may not have the gift of the working of miracles, he answered me, that he has led me in a more excellent way. 
even then the working of marvelous miracles. And since that time, I've never asked him again for the gift of the working of miracles, but I've just rejoiced for the fact that he has brought our fellowship into a true fellowship, into a oneness where the love of Jesus Christ dominates our fellowship. And I'm satisfied with that. I'm sort of like Paul, thrice sought I of the Lord that I might have the gift of miracles or the working of miracles in my life and God more or less answered me as he did Paul. Sort of don't ask me any more about this. Just be satisfied with what you've got. I can see where this gift would be an extremely difficult gift for a person to handle. And I doubt if I could handle it if I had it. Because if a person had the capacity of working true miracles by the power of the Spirit, everybody and his brother would be coming along trying to capitalize on that particular gift and taking you like a sideshow freak around the country so that you might work the miracles in the eyes of people and astound people and draw them and then having drawn them, use it as a super hype to press them for an offering or something. It would be extremely difficult to, to deal with all of the pressures that men would put on you if you had this particular gift. And looking at it from that Angle, I'm really glad that God did not answer my prayer and give me the gift of the working of miracles. And yet, I'm sure that there is a place for it within the body of Christ, else the Spirit would never have given that gift to begin with. And in this skeptical world in which we live, I couldn't see the value, and yet I wonder what kind of a man would it take to really be able to handle all of the notoriety that would center around this kind of a gift. It would be hard because no doubt, you know, the United Press, Associated Press, the major networks would be there trying to get your interviews and everything else and, and puffing you up and you know, and exalting you, and it would be extremely difficult. In fact, I don't think I know a man that could really handle it properly. Where is the God of Elijah? He is not changed. He is still the same. He is still there. But our very manner of living has removed us, I think, a step away. We vaunt our glorious society and highly developed society and culture. 
And yet within the society and culture, there are so many distractions, things that take your mind off of the Lord and on to the material things around us. Now when Elijah and Elisha were journeying together, they were walking from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to Jordan, Transjordan, and walking around in nature. And as you get out and walk in the unspoiled nature, there comes to you a consciousness, an awareness of God like you can't get driving down the freeway. There is the capacity to meditate and really have close communion with God walking from Bethel to Jericho. But you try to drive down that narrow, twisting road and have real meditation and communion, and you're going to end up over the cliff. So the modern society and all of its conveniences and all really have a negative effect upon real spiritual development that kind of spiritual development that is necessary to be able to handle a gift like Elijah or Elisha had. Where is the God of Elijah? Smiting the waters they parted, and so the same miracle that Elijah had performed is now done by Elisha, and here is the indication that the prayer or the request of Elisha was answered for he asked that he might receive the inheritance, that he might take over and receive that same spirit of, of Elijah, the double portion of it, which signifies that inheritance of this gift. And now that this same miracle is performed, it's a confirmation of the affirmation of his call. And they came to meet Elisha and bowed themselves on the ground. Now you see, immediately you're going to be faced with a problem. Here are these guys bowing down to him. How are you going to handle it? It seems that whenever a person has the power of God or the gifts of the Spirit in operation in his life, people want to bow down to them and they look at the instrument and magnify the instrument. And very few instruments can take that kind of stuff. Now they said, hey, there are 50 of us fellows. We're strong men. And we want to go and we want to see if, if maybe the body of Elijah fell somewhere in the desert. You know, true enough, he was caught up in a whirlwind, but it may be the whirlwind just carried him off to the land of Oz. <laughs> he might be lying injured somewhere in the desert. He might have been dumped somewhere on a mountain or in some valley. Elisha says, no sense going. But they urged him until he was embarrassed about the whole thing. And he said, well, all right, if you want to go, then go. They, so they sent 50 men, and they sought for three days, but they didn't find him. And when they came again to him, for he stayed there at Jericho, they, he said to him, didn't I tell you not to go? You know, there is a lot of wasted effort just because people insist on doing something. 
You know, and they press and they push until you just get embarrassed about the whole thing. You say, well, okay, go ahead, but you know it's not going to accomplish anything. And the men of the city said to Elisha, you know, this is a nice city and all, but the water supply is, is bad. And it's a beautiful place, but with the water being bad, things are dying. And so he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt in it. And so he went to the spring that fed the city of Jericho and he poured the salt in the spring and the waters of the spring were healed and it said, and so they are to this day. Now, of course, this was written almost a thousand years before Christ. So at that time, the springs that fed Jericho were still, you know, good. Actually, this was written a little bit later than that. And so at the time of the writing, it had been some time, they were still good. Well, hey, they are still good. I was there just not long ago and drank from the spring. And the water's still good. So God did a good job in healing the springs that feed Jericho. The water is still good. And of course, it's a very, very fruitful area. Now, as he was going up from Jericho to Bethel, there came forth, and it's translated little children, and this gives you the wrong concept. You see a bunch of little kids, you know, six, seven years old, crying, hey, you old bald head, where are you going, bald head? But the Hebrew language actually indicates more of a teenage and late teenage than just a child, a little child. These were rotten little boys in their teenages, mocking the prophet of God. And he looked back on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Now, it's hard to understand why he would do that, except that there was a great irreverence for a man of God. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods. And it's interesting, there was woods in that area in those times. Today, it's extremely barren. That valley going up, man, there's nothing but rocks. And it tore 42 of them. It doesn't say that, it, that they killed them at all, but just really scratched them up. And so he went up from there to Mount Carmel. Now that's clear on over to the area of Haifa over on the coast. And from there he returned back to Samaria, uh, which is about nine miles from the Mediterranean, but about 25 miles from Mount Carmel, the area of Haifa. It's closer to part of Mount Carmel. Chapter 3, now Joram the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he reigned for 12 years. So Jehoram, the other son of Ahab, began now to reign while Jehoshaphat was still king of Judah. He reigned for 12 years, and he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as bad as his father, for he did remove the bell, image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he continued in the ways of the first king of Israel, Jeroboam, 
and he made Israel to sin. Now at this time, Moab, the area across Jordan, river, the area that is now Jordan, rebelled against Israel. They had been tributaries, and Moab had to pay 100,000 sheep and 100,000 goats a year as tribute. They had been conquered, and, and so this was the tribute that was laid upon them, 100,000 sheep, 100,000 goats with a full wool were to be turned over to the king of Israel every year. And the king of Moab rebelled against this, so Jehoram drafted all of the men of Israel, and he sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, asking him to go up against Moab with him in battle. And so he said, of course, I'm as you are, you know, my men with your men. And so they said, which way shall they go? And they said, let's go down through Edom. So they were going to go south and attack them at the flank, from the southern flank. The king of Edom joined with them. Continue with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of 2 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Kings 2 through 3 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Word of God abide in your hearts richly through faith that you might comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God's love for you, and that you might live in fellowship with God as light in a dark place. So may your life give forth of the beauty and the radiance of Jesus Christ that it might bring hope unto others. May God use you as his instrument this week. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through His Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, what are the gifts of the Spirit, and how should I respond. 
It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deeper and personal relationship with Him, transforming your life. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you'd like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.